You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It is Thursday, July 2nd, and you are listening to the College Football Daily my name is Trey Scott, and I'm joined right now by Andrew Ivins, who covers Miami for 24-7 Sports. Andrew, how's it going down there? I'm doing good, man. Just gearing up for uh, the big 4th of July weekend. You know, we got the beaches closed, so uh, trying to find something to do. I'm kind of sad this week. Usually we are at the opening finals, whether that's in Oregon or in Frisco, Texas, as it was for the last two years. And, you know, we get to hang out there and you know, watch a lot of good seven on seven football and OLDL challenge and get some beer garitas. And I just, I'm kind of missing this week. So I was like, I need to get Ivan's on the podcast because uh, it wouldn't be the July 4th week without. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Those are some long grueling days, but I have this like void of this week where I'm just missing, not, um, not being out there, just, just hanging out with the crew and seeing the next wave of, of top college football players. Yeah, no doubt. So today's episode, I want to talk about Navon Donaldson and how he's now the second Miami player in consecutive years to take an elective redshirt year. And, you know, obviously you can play four games and preserve a year and it sets you up better for the next season. And the one last year who did that was Zach McLeod, the linebacker who was one of that, you know, fantastic freshman starting trio back in the day with Michael Pinckney and Shaq Quarterman. And in your story about Donaldson and your breaking news story, you mentioned McLeod in your lead. You go, Navon Donaldson has pulled a Zach McLeod. And so like this is happening at other places, but I, I did think it was interesting that at Miami now it, it's kind of a, a trend to see that. So what else can you tell us about this story? Like what was, was Navon about to lose his starting job? I know there's an injury he's recovering from. Right. So uh, Navon Donaldson started 12 games last season for Miami at left guard. Uh, he would have started 13th, the bowl game, but he had got injured in the regular season finale. Um, so it, he, he was recovering from a knee injury. He wasn't expected to be a full go during spring practice. Like those first four practices Miami got in before the world kind of shut down, you know, he was a limited participant. So, uh, you know, I, I personally wasn't projecting him to be a starter for Miami this season. I uh, talked to some of the other media outlets around here. I mean, he was kind of like that sixth or seventh lineman, which is kind of crazy to think about. I mean, Miami's offensive line, last season was was really bad. I mean, they gave up more sacks than any other Power 5 school in the country, uh, but somehow they've managed to, like, completely revamp that unit. You know, they added um, Houston graduate transfer Jared Williams. They also got Isaiah Walker, a, a former top 247 recruit out of Florida. They got him via the portal. So they've really kind of shored up that offensive line, and Navon kind of became – not like the the odd man out, but when you're kind of penciling in those projections, you're like, well, where does he really fit in? So uh, it, I, there's a combination of things as to why I think he took this red shirt. The biggest one, though, is he wants to kind of rehab all the way, make sure he's not rushing it back. I mean, you got to remember with this shutdown due to COVID-19, uh, you know, guys couldn't be on campus getting in with the medical staff. So I think that was a little bit of part of that. And it's just going to allow him to 
uh, kind of learn the new offense, develop the system, and then come back in 2020 and, and definitely be not only a starter, but probably a team leader for Miami. How did it work out for Zach McLeod? And I guess we don't really know how it would work out this fall. Like we haven't seen that yet, but when he decided to take that transfer or sorry, the, uh, the red shirt, he played four games and I know that he had, I, I read up on it. There had been some defensive shifts. And so like, essentially he was almost every year changing positions. And then they went to two inside backers and he was just like the odd man out. Right, right. And he was, I mean, Miami's base defense essentially right now. I mean, they only play two linebackers. They kind of got this hybrid guy, Zach McLeod. And when Manny Diaz, took over from Mark Rick. It was a big deal that he got all three of those senior linebackers to come back. I mean, believe it or not, some of those guys are thinking about leaving school uh, for the NFL. Uh, and then it was supposed to be the big trio, but a few games into the season, I think at one point, Zach McLeod got like 12 snaps, 12 defensive snaps against North Carolina. And then someone, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I talked about it on my podcast. We kind of tossed out the idea, hey, why not redshirt him knowing you're going to lose Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney uh, and kind of preserve him for 2020 when you're going to be really young at linebacker. And I don't know if he listened to our podcast, uh, you know, through the smoke or, or someone on, on Miami staff did, but they talked to him and they figured out, hey, let's let's just save him. He's got one game to play. If someone gets hurt, we'll use him then. Um, so that happened later in the season at Pittsburgh. Zach McLeod actually started that game, made nine tackles. It was like he, it was one of his better games of the season. Uh, and he just kind of was a team player. I mean, he traveled with the team. Um, and now, fast forward to 2020, like he's the guy on defense. He is, he is um, you know, the, the veteran the team captain uh, back during spring practices. He was the guy running hundred yard sprints uh, on his own at, after the session. So we'll, we'll see how it works out, but I think this is the right move because he's an also someone else that was kind of dinged up a little bit. And now they're expecting him to be 100% healthy. And I, I think, you know, we, we don't know, but I think this was the right move for Zach McLeod. That's an awesome story The that you might've had a, had a hand in this, like, and that's kind of touches on something I wanted to dive into. I don't know if it's going to work for Manny Diaz at Miami, but I am a huge fan of the roster management. It feels progressive. It feels like something we would do if we got to be in charge, right? It feels like what's something we would do if we were playing the old NCAA football video game where you, you're redshirting your guys, like you're plugging in gaps. You're, you're redshirting guys who, you know, you won't need, um, or they're hitting the transfer portal. Like, four big time transfers this year, a ton of transfers last year. And, and that's, you know, two quarterbacks. And I really, really like their approach here. Yeah. And the, and the stars are really kind of not aligning for, for Miami this year, but uh, Manny Diaz is essentially the king of the off season. You, you touched on the, the transfer portal. I mean, if you go back to last season, Miami's biggest issues were the offensive line quarterback play in the kicking game. And he went and got Derek King, uh, from Houston, uh, the quarterback who should start for them. I mean, he's going to be the guy. Uh, they, they got, I said, Jared Williams, the, the offensive line transfer uh, from Houston, who has started a bunch of games at the group of five level. And then they went and got a kicker from FIU who actually beat them uh, during the season by hitting a pair of 50-yard field goals. Toss in a new offensive coordinator and, and Rhett Lashley, who's going to go spread and kind of ramp up the tempo. And I mean, I'm down the list, and I haven't even mentioned Ed Reed's now on staff as as uh, kind of in an advisor role. So uh, it it is exciting, and um, 
it's either going to work out or it's not for Manny this season because I don't know how much longer uh, his leash is really going to be. So uh, it's it's an exciting time, and uh, I'm all for kind of the roster management. I think that's what makes college football fun, and it, it's cool to to have a chance to cover a team that's so kind of progressive with it uh, in their ideas. So when I was in college, I covered Manny Diaz because he was the defensive coordinator at Texas, and he just struck me as a creative guy. He was young, of course, like we all know the story about his first job was at ESPN. So he's got some media background and he does really strike me as like, again, if we got to be a college football coach, like this is what we like us, us, this is what us millennials would want to do with our rosters. Do you think any part of him, and you can just be honest here, like in your conversations with people around him, like relishes the the role or the, the strategy of just being a little bit different and going and getting all those transfers and maybe playing puppet master with, you know, players redshirting to, to preserve spots for the next season. It does feel like he's doing things a little bit differently than anybody else. I think, he, I think he loves it. I, I, I think he kind of, he's a very analytical guy. And if you talk to some people, uh, kind of around him, like you mentioned. I mean, they, they'll say Manny thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and oftentimes he kind of is. I mean, uh, just what they do on defense is what I think they're trying to transition over to the uh, offensive side of the ball. I mean, yes, Miami was six and seven last season, but that defense was still pretty elite, and that was because they were creative and um, they knew how to force turnovers and wreak havoc in, in the backfield. So uh, they're they're trying to get that over to the offensive side of the ball and. And, and part of all this, I think, is Manny's trying to change kind of the culture, and that's why um, they want guys that want to be at Miami. So that's why they are getting so active uh, in that transfer portal and trying to turn over the locker room. And I'll, I'll say this. I mean, we, I keep hearing it. I, I know that we've been in this quarantine, but it seems like the folks in Coral Gables feel like Derek King is is the quarterback, and they've that's been the missing piece. So we'll see. But um, it, it, it is kind of – interesting or, or fun you know at any time there's a big time name in the transfer portal uh and Miami wants him it seems like they go and get him and I think that's just because Manny kind of knows what he's doing and, he, and he's selling a vision I'm glad you mentioned King because this is if we're talking about McLeod and Donaldson taking elective redshirts that's what King did last season and you wonder if that's going to be a, a college football trend going forward where a star player on a bad team or a team that isn't in the national spotlight sort of, you know, hears the music and then sits out and, and jumps to a, to a bigger place. It'll be interesting to see if that, if that works out for, for Derek King at Miami. And if we're talking about quarterbacks at Miami, we also have to mention Tate Martell, like this, the Tate Martell experiment probably didn't work out. But again, if we're talking about being progressive and, treating your college football program the way that you might, if you were playing a video game, like getting him some, some snaps on offense in funky packages. Again, it didn't work, but I think it does speak to Manny Diaz trying to look for any, any advantage in, in any nook or cranny. I'll be honest, Trey. I kind of wondered what happened to that package. I mean, everyone pretty much in the country watched that week zero game uh, against Florida. And when Tate was actually in there, like, Miami found success. And as the season went on, uh, I was like, why did they get away from that? It seemed like it created um, some confusion. And look, I mean, at the end of the year, we, we know what happened with then offensive coordinator Danny Enos and Manny Diaz. I mean, it was it was a parting of ways, but I think it was kind of 
it wasn't mutual. I mean, there was some there was some bad blood there. So uh, yeah, I, I I think Manny uh, wants to go fast, and, and he thinks that they need to go fast, and that's why they went and got Rhett Lashley, who scored over forty two points a game um, last season at SMU. All right, last one, and you you cover recruiting uh, primarily, so I think you can speak to the facts as as we tie back to these kids who are deciding now to spend a fifth season on campus. There's got to be some maturity process there because Andrew, when you talk to kids when they recruits, what do they tell you? Like their next three years, they're going to go to Miami, or you know, some might call them uh, three and out. So over the course of their career in, in college, in their first few years, they must realize that. You know, not everybody's a three and out. And to, to really have a successful career, I might have to play two more years than I ever thought I would. Well, and I mean, I didn't even point that out. You know, Zach McLeod has also already graduated and he's going to get a graduate degree. And I think Navon Donaldson, I mean, I don't really know really where he stands in the academics, but I think that's kind of part of that. And that, I think, has to do with just the culture that you've created. I know the A what is it the AR or APR score yep. uh, from for Miami that was the highest it's been in a while uh, under under Manny Diaz and I'll point out this I mean everyone says three and done but I think when they get to Miami they realize that they're not in a college town I mean Miami has a lot to offer outside of just what's on campus in Coral Gables uh, in, in terms of the city and, and the water and all that stuff. So I think that's a little bit different. I think it makes it easier to talk a kid into staying uh, in, in the 305 instead of staying another year in a college town. And it seems like that's what's really attractive to these graduate transfers. I mean, uh, look, when guys train for the NFL Combine, where do they train? They train in like South Florida and Arizona and all these nice areas that have good weather. Uh, it's a lot similar in, in you know Miami, seeing how as it is in South Florida. That's good stuff. Um, appreciate you coming on, Andrew. No, thank you for having me, Trey. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. For Andrew Ivins, for our producer, Tony Levitt, who does a great job. I'm Trey Scott. We'll talk to you on Friday.